Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. Like and subscribe on YouTube and on your podcast platforms. It'd be much, much appreciated. And also, you know, if you're in Canada, happy long weekend. It's a Friday. The sun is shining. It looks kind of hot outside, a little bit muggy, but maybe that's your thing. Maybe you don't mind. Oren, do you find sunshine? Are you a sunshine guy or do you uh, get a hard tan and burn and everything sucks? Big sunshine guy, big anti um, sunscreen guy, which my mother doesn't like but yeah um, I'm all for it man this time of year very happy that finally we're getting some nice sunshine yeah man the conference finals are happening it's been very exciting Oren Weisfeld is joining me to uh, discuss a whole bunch of Raptor things you know him from Yahoo Sports Canada uh, Complex Canada he's doing all kinds of great work oh and by the way yeah fantastic uh, fantastic season covering the Raptors for you good stuff thank you sir back to, right back to you with all the video stuff on 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 this website it's been great hey man it's been lots and lots of fun full disclosure that um oren is a bit under the weather and i believe he said to me i can't quote him on this exactly but he said that if mj can have a flu game then i can do this podcast with you so um this i appreciate you <laughs> now you game. have to clarify that because people will think oh he has covid nope just just a little yeah. head cold going on right now and they're back head colds are back people yeah they're, they're or, or is it allergies or is it allergies? Pollen's really bad these days, apparently. That's true. That's true. I think yeah. it's a cold, but it could be a mixture. I take daily allergy pills because me and Pollen, they do not get along at all. Yeah. Kind of like the DeAndre Ayton and the Phoenix Suns. They don't get along either. We'll get to that in a second, though, because they're going through their own little riff. But first off, all this stuff is going to be Raptors related, starting off with kind of the bigger news, which is kind of strange. It seems like the Raptors are just finding ways to keep the content train going for us. And... Most recently, Jalen Harris. Remember him? Yeah, he's back. He showed us on Twitter. He showed us on IG that he's back in Toronto currently. And for those who may have forgotten about his situation, uh, last year he violated the terms of the anti-drug program of the NBA. And now uh, he had to miss last season. But he is back now. He officially has to be reinstated by the NBA. And then the Raptors do have his rights and they can decide what they want to do with him. But it's interesting um, with him because he had a really strong end to the last the last season. Um, you know, those last four games in Tampa, I believe I wrote it down here. He averaged around 18 points, 40 from three, 52% from the field. And so he had a really strong ending. And you kind of saw a lot of different things he's going to be able to do on the basketball court. He's obviously a little bit older, 24 years old, uh, or turning 24 this year. But the Raptors have never been shy about taking on those kind of players. And there's a real natural feel when it comes to scoring from him. And then with uh, Italy this past year, Numbers were a little bit down, but I mean, also he's playing in Europe and I, I mean, I can't imagine what kind of uh, toll all this has gone on him, like, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, I'm sure it was a very taxing year for him, but, and obviously first and foremost, you hope that everything is going okay for him and hope he's back to being smiling and healthy and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, 
Orin, what do you think about Jalen Harris? Do you find that he's got a fit here? Do you think he, um, the Raptors should really give him a shot? I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him brought back on a kind of training camp deal where he can kind of fight his way in the prove him prove deal for sure. Yeah. I think he was on a two-way deal and I think he did enough on that two-way deal to probably warrant a, a real contract, kind of like Justin Champagny kind of deal. But mm-hmm. then obviously the whole suspension happened and, and that's kind of out of the Raptors control. So I think it'd be kind of fair for both sides to bring him back on a training camp deal and ask him to basically beat out a couple of these other fringe roster guys for one of those last spots, whether it's like a David Johnson, who is the two-way guy from this year. Uh, Jalen Harris obviously proved more in his time than David Johnson did, right, with with his season sure. as a two-way with the Raptors. And yeah, man. when you look at fit, you said it, like he has a natural knack for scoring, and the bench of the Raptors do not have that natural knack for scoring. Like oh, no, they were no. bringing Boucher, Achua, and Thad off the bench, and those are three guys who are like defensive guys, you know, rebounders, gritty guys, but they're not, I'm going to go get my own bucket guy. Mm. And Jalen Harris is definitely that kind of guy. He's also a little bit of like Trent insurance in a way, because I think his game and Gary Trent game overlap in a lot of ways. They yeah. like to take the same shots. They like to score from the same places. Um, but Gary is basically on the last year of his deal coming up in this season, assuming he doesn't pick up that player option. So Harris, if, if you bring him back, if he continues this development and, and he, he looks better and better, maybe he's some Trent insurance in case mm-hmm. Trent leaves or, or is traded away. Man, there's a lot of decisions that they got to make because you look at next season with their salary cap, they're already at $104 million, sorry, $114 million. And the cap is going to be around 122, give or take, something like that. And that's without Chris Boucher. That's without Thaddeus Young. So there's a lot of decisions that they got to make on how, well, one, how competitive they want to be next year. Like, do they want to view next season as, uh, do you want to make a huge leap? a medium leap, um, or is it just another building year? That's one question I wish Masai Mijiri was asked about. And I'm sure it would have been an answer of like, well, we're going to continue to evaluate that and we'll see what we want to do. But in the end, they have to make a lot of decisions and they have a lot of options, which is a good thing. But, you know, what's your path to this? And that's why a person like Jalen Harris is so interesting is that he does fit a need. He provides something that the Raptors need off their bench. And it's essentially just like guard play because Malachi Flynn, things have gone a little up, up and down for him, but he isn't exactly the scorer that uh, Jalen Harris is. And, you know, if you read between the lines of what Nick Nurse has talked about of what he wants from Malachi, it's kind of that knockdown shooting ability, the ability to penetrate, to get into the paint defensively. That's a different story, but Jalen Harris, I mean, I, I was looking at the, the footage from his last few games of that uh, Tampa year and also, you know, some of the clips from his Europe year and it's all still there. I mean, the numbers are whatever they were in Europe, but like the, the catch and shoot ability, you know, beating bigs on switches, which is something that the Raptors really need that downhill penetration, just coming off of switches, especially with the nature of their team. He's got a little bit of a floater too. And I love players with floaters. It's one of those things that not any real Raptor on the perimeter really has. Like Fred has a bit of it, but doesn't really show it. Gary Trent Jr. is actually something that we're going to get to in a second that I wish he had more of that ability in his, uh, his bread basket. And then, just like that, that footwork, man, it's really, really impressive what he's able to do um, when it comes to that. And uh, he's still in early years of his NBA career. I think they got to give him a shot because there's really no reason not to. And if you're getting that Jalen Harris, that Tampa J- Jalen Harris or some version that's close to that, 
immediately. I think he kind of overtakes a few of the players that are in their system currently or players that they were relying upon for minutes at the tail end of this past season. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting. I hope everything good works out because he is a still interesting player. And I, and he is still in Toronto too. Cause again, I'm looking at his IG stories and he was sending out videos last night of him just eating dinner, watching the game. And he put a locator tag Toronto, Ontario. So he's here mm-hmm. and I'm sure he's getting, um, you know, they're evaluating, like you said, what they want to do, but I, I feel like they got to give him a real shot <clears throat> and I hope he makes the most of it because there is a ton of intrigue with him a ton. Yeah, I, I hope so, too. I think he's really athletic, too, which is another thing that the Raptors don't have in the perimeter in their guard. 6'5", as well. Yeah, he can just, like, attack a closeout and dunk over someone, like, if, mm. if that's the situation. And the question with him is the defense. You know, it's hard to evaluate him from what happened in the end of the season in Tampa just because teams sure. kind of stopped playing at the end of the season. They were in Tampa, all that stuff, but... Yeah, the defense is going to be the question with him, with Nick Nurse. Can he stay on the floor defensively? And that's like that's why I kind of go back to the training camp deal. We don't mm-hmm. know right now if he can fit that system because in Tampa they weren't playing defense. So <laughs> let's let's see. Like let's bring yeah. him back and let's see if he can at least like give a good effort on that end. And then because we know the offense is there. And then on the on the political side of things, like he got banned <laughs> for like a recreational drug. It's like. Yeah, him coming back to league would also be a win in the four drugs in the war over drugs. So I'm rooting for him. So you're saying go drugs? I'm saying go drugs, go (laughs) recreational drugs. Yes. (laughs) Go to the podcast right there. Go drugs. Love it. Um, Yeah. Okay. So that's the Jalen Harris story. Um, We hope everything works out for him and the Raptors. And it would just be really, really sweet to see him get a shot and show what he can do. You know, he gets into that uh, off-season program. The Raptors are notorious. We're like, here are the four things we want you to do. It's not too late for him to get into that mold right now and work on his game for a few months. Moving on to the center position. Okay, so this is a fun one because there's players that are available that the Raptors could look at as potential um, players who could help out with their center position, because it's something that's been talked about quite a bit, but do they need someone? Prestachua isn't going anywhere. Do they need to make a different decision when it comes to their lineup? Is it Gary Trent Jr. off the bench? Is Gary Trent Jr. still a part of this team? Because you look at OG and Pascal and Scotty, like they should all be starting. Is Scotty your center? Or do you want, do you want to, you know, invest in Prestachua? But all that's to say is that, there are players available and the biggest piece right now is probably Deandre Ayton. Now there's a lot of rumors around what's going on with Ayton and the Phoenix Suns. I, I truly did enjoy some of the secrecy that was going on on why he only played 17 minutes in that final game where they got eliminated and Monty Williams has asked about it and he cuts off the reporter. He's like, it's internal. And also local NBA reporter, little Wayne, says that he reportedly heard <laughs> that uh, Monty Williams said to DeAndre Ayton in that game where they lost and they eventually, you know, were eliminated from, from the playoffs by the Dallas Mavericks, that he said, you freaking quit on us. Was it frick? Was it another word? Who knows? But obviously things are not going well between those two. And, you know, last season they could have extended them. They decide not to. And when you when it comes to money, there's truly no loyalty in this. And I think... Aiton is still a little bit butthurt about how all that down and understandably, right? Like the, you know, the Suns they got championship aspirations. They want to do that. They looked at last season or this past season as a, as a championship window year. And so they just couldn't take on that kind of salary, but here we are now and player X wants more money. And I don't know if they can really afford it. Chris Paul's making $30 million and he had a terrible game seven. Wow. Anyways, 
DeAndre Ayton, I guess, what are your thoughts on him? Because it's kind of complicated how he could become a Raptor. It would, it would involve a lot of pieces, but I guess like just the, from a fit standpoint, your thoughts on DeAndre Ayton? Or- yeah, from a fit standpoint, I like it a lot more than a lot of Raptors fans, I think, because I think mm-hmm. Ayton is exactly the kind of risk you need to take if you're in the position that the Raptors are, right? Like they are not a contender right now. Mm-hmm. They want to take that next step. How do you take that next step? Well, you're often going to have to take a risk. And I think Aiton is the kind of risk that, you know, first of all, he fills a position of need. Second of all, he's still really young. He's still developing. He's still sure. getting better. All my questions with Aiton are that culture stuff, the off-court stuff, which is like really hard to know. But like, obviously, Monty and C- Chris Paul, like if, if those guys are saying things about Aiton, that he quit on them or all that that does not fit like the Raptors culture and so all my questions more so come from the off-court stuff with where Aiden's head is at how hard of a worker is he you know like these are the questions that I think the Raptors would have to kind of talk to him about before making any deal but if we just look at the on-court stuff I think Aiden is is a really good fit just in terms of like he is a good rim protector he's a really good rebounder He's a good roller. He has great touch, like, in that mid-range. And then he's still young to where, yeah, yeah. he's not a three-point shooter right now, but, you know, his mid-range shooting has gotten better mm. every season of his career. So it, it's trending in the right direction if you want to project out. Sure. And like I said, he fills a position of need. And Precious is really interesting. I'm really high on Precious, but I think there's a world in which Precious and Aiton can play together if Precious keeps hitting threes at a high rate. And so, mm. like, yeah, Aiden's going to cost money and, and, and the off-court stuff and the money is really what kind of worries you, like how much money and, and how, where is his head at? But if, if you're talking about a deal where it's their sign and trading Aiden for a player like Trent and a pick or Boucher and a couple of picks, you know, I'm, I don't know why Phoenix would want Trent, which is kind of the issue here, I think. Yeah because they have a bunch of guards like that. But I think in terms of just value and positional need, would I take Aiden or Trent? I'd take Aiden. Yeah, uh, certainly. And the Phoenix Suns side of it, I mean, if they lose DeAndre Aiden, and yesterday, as recently as yesterday, James Jones, Suns GM, was quoted saying, he's a big part of what we do and what we have done, and we're going to continue to address all that stuff. But what's a replacement for him? You know, like those players like him don't grow on trees and Bismack Biombo, bless his heart, had a nice little stint there with the Phoenix Suns, but he's not the answer either. They need someone who's going to be able to finish in the short roll and quick rolls. And he's going to be reliable around the, in the paint and be a rim protector. And, you know, the three point shooting, like I was looking at some clips of him shooting threes. And I think it was more so that the Suns asked him not to, because he can shoot it. He was doing it in the bubble. I saw him take some shots. It looks pretty fluid. I think that's an, an, an area of his game that I think even he knows that he has to be able to, to do. And it's just a decision that they have to make. I, I mean, it's just the nature of like, what kind of deal are we talking about? Because there are other teams who just like right off the bat are going to be able to afford to take on a contract like his, like the Detroit Pistons comes to mind. What's the nature of the deal? Because I would think that if the Phoenix Suns are making a deal with the Toronto Raptors and it could be, could be talking about like a three team trade, right? Those are obviously a lot easier to pull off, but they're going to want to Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam is not going to be available. I don't think the Raptors are looking to uh, get rid of him, but then is it a Gary Trent Jr.? You talk about Chris Boucher. They do still have some player exceptions that they have yet to use, although one of them is expiring um, 
shortly after July. So that's another thing that they could utilize in some capacity, but the nature of the deal is what's very valuable with this. And also how are the Phoenix Suns going to be able to maintain their playoff championship aspirations through some sort of deal. And that's why I think it would have to be some sort of three team trade, or they have something else secured, which is going to help them continue to be at that caliber that they really want to be. And if anything, really, I mean, after what happened with them in the playoffs, I think they've realized that Chris Paul is not a number two anymore. He's probably more like a number three. And so now you need number two. Well, if it's not DeAndre Ayton, you know, from an offensive standpoint, then who are they going to be bringing in? Like it would have been cool if they brought in like an Eric Gordon, right. During the, during that trade deadline that just passed because they clearly have a few needs and need a little bit more downhill penetration, but that's a different case, but all this kind of co- comes together is that making a deal is very tricky for a Deandre Ayton. However, great player going to be awesome a max player. And from a culture standpoint, I mean, if he's able to check his ego, which every single Raptor player um, over this, like, you know, since the We the North there is asked to do and acknowledges that's a huge part of uh, being a, a Raptor. Very interesting. I think a lot of people are going to write him off because I think there's a lot of recency bias in, in the NBA. Sure. And right now we're looking at the four teams remaining, you know, Bam is the only real traditional center, I guess. Mm who's like making a huge impact and, and like playing tons of minutes every night. Yeah. And Aiden obviously just had a terrible end, but a year ago, Aiden brought the Suns to the finals. And if we were talking about this year ago, every Raptors fan would be like, Oh, I'm all in for Aiden. Right. And yeah. it's just like, these things swing really wildly, really quickly. Yeah. And you can't just take the, the postseason at hand. And say like, oh, bigs don't matter or something. Like if you go back and look at the, the past four or five finals, bigs really, really matter. Sure. And like I'm in on the six sign vision. I'm all about it. But at the same time, I think a big, I think you you need to be able to play different ways. We've talked about this. And, and a big like Aiden, I think he fits well in that he can play the traditional drop big. But he can also, he's pretty mobile. He can also play in this mm-hmm. switch scheme, I think, decently well for a seven footer. Yeah. So. That's just why I think, but like you said, it's going to be really tricky to make a deal. I wouldn't go so high as the OG Pascal type of player to trade for him. I would trade the Gary Trent type of player, but again, I don't know if Phoenix would want Gary Trent, so it is hard. Yeah. Um, and I think there's more offensive potential there than probably that meets the eye so far in his career. Um, you know, having a role with the Phoenix Suns, which again is um, you're going to be able to, you're going to have to be in a role. Right. It may not be a role that you want, but that's like the sacrifice that comes with, you know, trying to be a championship team. There's only so many shots to go around and pick and roll with Chris Paul. It's so fruitful, not just for DeAndre Ayton, but it's like his ability to kind of control play and to manipulate defenses. Um, That's kind of, you know, bold ways in which he doesn't get the ball because he is such a strong role threat. Then you use that gravity to find different shooters. And then Devin Booker obviously is their is probably their best scorer. And so he's going to get his touches as well. Um, But there's certainly more to his offensive game than I think that we've seen so far. And I think that's a big reason why he wants to potentially get out of Phoenix is that he wants to show that he wants to show that he can do it on the cheaper side, though, when it comes to centers, another person like, oh, I don't know, Serge Ibaka, Orin, what do you think, huh? What do you think about Serge Ibaka? He's going to be a free agent. Um, last season, if you all recall, he got traded from the Clippers to the Milwaukee Bucks. They used him for a little while as a bridge for Brooke Lopez, who was going to be recovering from some injuries. And then, you know, playoffs come around. And guess what? Serge Ibaka didn't play much. And uh, that was unfortunate because I think he has more to offer. You know, they went with Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. And obviously they have Giannis too. So you got like three centers, power forward kind of combinations there. But anyways, 
it'd be surprising if they brought Serge Ibaka back. And Leno last season, he made $9 million. And if you recall, everyone, you know, in that Tampa year, when the Raptors were really against the cap, they decide not to bring back Serge and Mark because of simply money. And that's how we got the Aaron Baines experiment, which was all kinds of a failure. Although I hope he- That was he the Scotty Barnes. That was the Scotty Barnes experiment, in other words. Exactly, right? As Masai said, Tampa, they won. Why? They won. Because we got Scotty Barnes. Right. You got to love that. Um, but here he is person who's uh, very familiar with the Raptors culture, um, a bit of a pick and pop ability, 6'10", 235 pounds. He's turning 33 this year. So obviously a little bit more seasoned. But you I mean, if you're looking to win some championships and he's won a championship already with the Raptors, you need some some veteran presence. So you and I have different opinions on this one. Why don't you go first? <laughs> sure. Or maybe, I mean, I've, or maybe I've convinced you. Have I convinced you? No. Not really. Okay, fine. <laughs> For the content, I'm convinced. The con- as a Raptors writer and an interviewer, uh-huh. I'd love to have Serge back. Um, that would be a lot of fun. But I just think he's a little old, and he's coming off this back injury, which worries me because back injuries are just you know mm, notoriously yeah. really hard to get over. And the fact it. that he got no playoff time for the Bucks does worry me a little bit as well. Um, mm. You know, if we're talking about the mid-level exception, I just think I would go out and sign a different type of player than Serge, not just because the injuries and the elderly manner, but I think we have a, a lot of Serge type players in that. Yeah, he is a bit more of a traditional center, but he's still not banging in the post with Embiid. He's still sure. not that size. And when you go back and look at that 2019 series against Philadelphia, like Ibaka could not do anything against Embiid, even to the point where like Precious, I think does more of those traditional center mm. things, holding out a guy out of the post, stuff like that, than, than Ibaka does, especially at this yeah. time of his career. So I just think we have a lot of players who are similar to Ibaka and that they're four or five hybrids, can't quite bang with the bigs, the best bigs, but you know, so it's a little too much to commit that type of money to him but look if we're talking about like the biannual exception which the raptors also have like the three mm. four million range yeah I, I don't mind it as as a culture guy for sure as a locker room guy and also as as a depth piece um for their centers but i think if they did that also i would wonder like what's happening with ken birch because they do fill very similar roles yes they do um that is there's no doubt about that one i you know, thinking about that December game where he returned to Toronto and he sent out that IG post where it was just like, I'm home. Like, oh, that's makes you feel so comfortable. Like, I mean, Serge Ibaka, hurts. yeah, hits you in the heart, right? Like, he, yeah. it was so unfortunate the way things went broke down because I remember when he became a Clipper and in when he was talking about what happened with the Toronto Raptors, he's like, We got into a meeting. I'm just like, All right, so let's make something work. And the Raptors were like, I'm not sure if we're going to make anything work. He's like, what, what, But I want to come back. I want to be a Raptor. And they're like, It's not the right time. So, uh, unfortunately that's how it went, but you know, between the Clippers and Milwaukee Bucks, and I hear you with the, the back issues because that is a concern. I mean, you know, back issues when you get older, been there in that, by the way, um, seven points and five rebounds in 15 ish minutes between the teams. And you're right. You know, defensively, it's very similar to Kem Birch. And meanwhile, uh, Kem Birch, by the way, making 6.6 and he's under contract for two more seasons. He's 6'9", 233. Serge Ibaka, 6'10", 235. At least that's what Pascal reference says. So that's where they're at. It's more offensively, and it, and it comes to their half-court offense, is where I think that there could be some upside with uh, Serge Ibaka because 
I think about, you know, having a pick and pop big, like a true pick and pop big, the Raptors don't have that. And they struggle so much with their half court offense. And we got to see where, you know, OG and Pascal, everyone, how they all come back. But I, I still think they're going to struggle a little bit with their half court offense and having someone like him who, you know, when Fred Van Vliet gets doubled on a pick and he's in there for a mid range shot, or, you know, when it comes to just offensive rebound, I think he, he does play a little bit bigger than Ken Birch, you know? with his mentality and his toughness. And I could just see him being a real asset when it comes to a person like Precious, right? You know, just, he's got such a wealth of knowledge that he's going to be able to, to provide. And it's really coming down to, you know, is he going to be able to stay healthy? But from a cultural standpoint, he would be a terrific person. Even Masai mentioned him, you know, during the end of season as he was a person who helped build the Raptors culture to where it is now. So bringing someone like that back into the fold, big fan of it, but I hear you though. I mean, it is what it is with him, but the three point shot <clears throat> would be very yeah. useful. And Ken Birch with his shot, I can't believe he hit two threes in that series against the 76ers after like not hitting one the entire year. But yeah. <clears throat> even if he does improve his shot, it's not going to be at the caliber of Serge Ibaka any, in any way, fashion. No, I agree with you that Ibaka is an upgrade over Birch. Um, and so in a situation where they trade Birch, which I think is a very likely possibility, either yeah. this offseason or at the trade deadline, then Ibaka is kind of your, your insurance there. Uh, and and yeah, I, I don't mind that at all. But we even saw like with with how few minutes Birch got in the playoffs, like I think if Ibaka got those same minutes, yeah, the Raptors are probably a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So I'm all in for like if it's if it's that kind of money where it's not messing up uh, really your long term plans or anything, then yeah, bring him back and, and he could be a locker room piece and all that. I just like I wouldn't want to bite into the the mid level exception because I think that's where the Raptors really need to get younger yeah. first of all, like a younger sure. piece who still has some room to grow and shooting. And, you know, Ibaka is a, is a good shooter for a big, but he's not like a lighted mm. up guy. And I think they yeah. really need a guy who can add another dynamic to their offense as, as a guy who can run around screens and that kind of stuff. Well, speaking of which, how about Amo Bamba, who, by the way, it seems like him and the Magic are about to part ways. Um, he's a restricted free agent, but, you know, with them getting... Um, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, pretty high pick, and they're going to be bringing in a player. Well, they have a whole bunch of different kind of players, but, you know, Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba, Chet Holmgren, whoever it's going to be, like they got a lot of players that's similar body types. And I'm sure that, you know, they're okay with, you know, throwing out five, six, ten guys. But in the end, I don't think they're going to be able to afford Mo Bamba. So that's where 
Uh, there could be a parting of ways in some capacity because I think there's a lot of teams who are going to be interested in his services and the Toronto Raptors may be interested in his services. And he's a person that's been rumored around the Raptors a little bit. I think a lot of fans have been keen on seeing how he would fit. And I think the fit, again, similar to an Aiton, is pretty natural. Yeah? Yeah, I think um, definitely he has the three-point shooting on offense. Mm. And then he's a rim protector and he's a good rebounder on defense. Um, I don't know if I, like, I don't think he's nearly as skilled as Aiton, especially in that kind of like short roll situation. He's not sure. a very good passer. And that that touch in the mid-range, I don't think Bomba's really giving you that. But again, he's 24 years old. Hmm. And again, when I talk about taking risks, he is the type of risk that you want to take where he fills a position of need. He's young. He has room to go grow, presumably, especially in a system that isn't yeah. the magic. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah, he's not necessarily a traditional big in that he's not very strong but he mm -hmm. is seven foot one and he's like a very elite rim protector so he adds a different dynamic that the Raptors don't have um I'm not sure if that's how it would be my first priority to spend the money that they have on a guy mm -hmm. like Bama just because they have so many bigs right now and I'm not sure that that's the biggest need for the team I, yeah. I still but at the same time, he gives you a bit of shooting on top of the, those big characteristics. So, yeah, I wouldn't be mad at it at all if the Raptors took a swing here on Bomba and, and, and kind of, you know, he's not a sure thing. I'll say that. Like, I'm not sure that Bomba you can pencil in for 20, 25 minutes with, with mm. Nick Nurse's scheme. I'm not sure he even is mobile enough to really play um, that scheme. Yeah. But it is, it's a risk that you maybe take because he, he was so highly tooted out of the draft, and, and he's an interesting player. Now, I wonder what the Raptors are thinking when they look at a player like Mo Bamba, because similar with Precious, they look at the player type, the body type, you know, what they're able to do physically. And then they're like, yeah, we can develop everything about your game. So it's cool if you have like this limitation that way, like maybe you can't shoot, maybe you're not, don't have the, the best basketball like you, but you can do this. You're long, you're tall, you're athletic and so forth. So um, I see them just like, you know, Masai kind of talked about it during his end of season. It's like, we will take chances on certain players because there aren't that many players like this six, eight, six, nine vision that kind of fit the mold. And so you have to take some risk and maybe take on some players that aren't exactly the caliber that you're looking for, but you got to bank on their character and your development staff to make it happen. And Mo is an interesting player in that vein too. You talk about their roster needs and what is the most pressing one. Do you think like if they don't make a decision with the center position at all, so they go exactly like they, they went this year, you know, they got Scotty, they got Ken Birch, they got Preston Chua, they roll with that next season. Are you comfortable? I'm pretty comfortable because I mean, this goes back to Gary Trent, you know, I think, uh, I think Precious should start if they run it back. And yeah, I think Trent I think so should too. come off the bench. And I think Precious, just the amount of growth he's done in the short time he's been a Raptor. Yeah. You can project him to be a starting caliber center by next season. And by the end of next season, I honestly have no idea what to project him as. Uh, but even I was really impressed with how he grew over the course of the series against the mm. Sixers. And by the end, he really like game six was not a good one for him, but games three, four, five, like he really, solved a lot of stuff with Embiid and you're you're yeah. always going to throw doubles at Embiid but Precious made it so that 
they could spend a little more time before throwing those doubles and be a little mm-hmm. bit more intentional about where they came from. So I'm really impressed with with his game on both ends of the floor and how it's developing. Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily be mad if they ran it back without a center, um, but they have to solve one of their holes. You know, like if you're not going to bring a center, bring some shooting in, right? Sure. If you're not going to bring shooting in, bring a center in. I don't, you know, as long as they solve one of their holes, mm. I'll be happy because it's really hard to solve like two, three holes in one off season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of the act, just the big situation, if they bring Thad back and Boucher back, Precious, Kem, I'm okay with that. I think so too. And Precious specifically, um, the nature, his nature, like, and you know, he, he is another person and I put in that uh, Serge Ibaka vein that he plays bigger than he is. I looked at, uh, his beginning of season actually the other day and at some of his comments and actually you can just really see his demeanor, how much more comfortable he is with the media. Think of like right. the end of season that he had where he was actually, he was hilarious the whole time. He was a stand up comic. Yeah, so. man. Like imagine him next season. Holy smokes. Right. Content yeah. producer. Like he's going to be doing that for us all, all year. Um, yeah. But yeah, his confidence in himself and his ability to fight. I think that's irreplaceable and that makes up for, you know, a couple of inches where he's a little bit shorter here, a little bit shorter there, because you saw what he did against Joel Embiid. I mean, you can say what you want about, you know, how Joel was, you know, not feeling well and yada, 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 but he was going by Joel Embiid person who's in the MVP conversation, defensive player of the year conversation. He was rolling by him and he was a threat from the three-point line and you give him an off season where he can improve on his three point shot. And also Scotty Barnes is going to improve. Pascal Siakam made it very clear. He's going to add another level to his scoring because his three point shot was really hit and miss. And he knows he has to add that. If he wants to be a true one, a player look no further than what we've seen in these playoffs from Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown, like you need to be able to score from the perimeter and you need to be able to do it in different ways through step backs and fadeaways, because if you can't, then you are, in some ways, you are not truly a number one option. You got to be able to do it all, right? Even LeBron James, why he was able to, you know, continue to be this, you know, offensive threat this late in his career is that he got better from the three-point line. And he's hitting these like ridiculous shots at his age. It's insane. But all that to say is that Pascal Siakam has to do that too. And he knows it. And OG Anobi, I'm sure he's going to improve from his three-point shot from that perspective. He took a little bit of a dip, it seems like this year, just a bit, right? Yeah, I think a little bit. And I think you could probably just chalk it up to like rhythm is a thing I like to, you know, focus on. Like, yeah, he was just in and out of the lineup so much that he wasn't able to get his rhythm back in time for the mm-hmm. end of season and the playoffs, really. He had a couple good games, but it wasn't like the OG that we've seen on this peak. And yeah. I, I think if, yeah, like, there was a time early in the season where, especially when Siakam was at, where OG really got it going. And then as soon as Siakam came back, OG went out. So mm. he's just had terrible injury luck. And I still fully trust him as a three-point shooter. I think he's sure. a really good one. Um, but he has to stay healthy in order to maximize that. So many weird injuries, man, with him. It's just like freak things that happen year by year. And they're, they're always different. Yeah. It's strange. He has to have a big season next year because he does. I mean, his contract's coming up, and at a certain point, it's no longer like these are flukes. Even though they seem that way, at a certain point, you need to play, mm. you know, seventy games in a season. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's part of the reason I'm pretty high on the Raptors next year is because they had so much bad injury luck, 
And every team, when you just look at the numbers, has bad injury luck. But when you watch the Raptors, you saw that when one guy get out, the other guy would go out. You know, when one guy came back, mm. it was just like, it was really bad. And I think with a little bit better injury luck, obviously with a little bit better COVID luck, uh, just <laughs> that exact same group after a year of development, I think they'll be pretty good. I think so too. It was such a small sample size that we got from all of them. And that's what makes them so intriguing. And pivoting to Gary Trent Jr. We've talked about him a little bit here and it wasn't even on purpose, but he's an interesting player. And as I said earlier, the Raptors, I mean, you look at Gary Trent, Pascal, OG, Fred, uh, at least with Pascal and Fred, they're entering their more expensive years of their contracts. Pascal is going to be at 35 next year. Last season, he was at 33. And then Fred was at 19. Next year, he's at 21. Small differences, but when you're this close to the cap, right? Those are kind of big changes to some degree, I would find. Fred is so underpaid. That's insane. I know, like, right? I have to look at like the all-stars and like, is he the, other than the rookie deals, he has to be the, mm. the lowest paid all-star, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you know, 2023, 2024, you said it like opt out out of that player option. No doubt about it. And yeah. that next contract, it's going to be a max one, assuming he's able to get his knee figured out, his hip issues and all that kind of stuff. You know, the Raptors are able to provide some shooting guard help and point guard help because that would really help Fred Van Vliet be a little bit healthier. All that's to say, here we are with Gary Trent Jr. Um, I guess starters like I was going to ask you about two things, you know, he could add to his game, but I mean, do you think the Raptors need to make a, a move for him? Because they're in this weird window where you got your you got your players in your prime, like Pascal and Fred, right? They're in it. This is it, 27, 28 years old. But then you got Scotty, Gary, and OG. And it's good to have some variety. Then you got a few veterans in there. Now you got something of a championship caliber team because you need some, some different levels of abilities and scoring ability and all that kind of stuff. But I think with him, because of their lack of uh, roster flexibility and because of the nature of their team, like, you know, OG needs shots, Fred needs shots. Scotty needs, obviously needs more touches uh, next season. Pascal, he is your true number one option at this moment. And he kind of showed that he, you know, towards the end that he showed that he deserves that. He deserves to get those opportunities because he's a great passer now and he's going to be able to, you know, use double teams to create offense for his teammates. But then he got Gary and I'm like, where do you, like, what do you do with Gary now? You know, I don't know. Yeah. Gary definitely is the odd man out in a lot of ways. And it's not yeah. necessarily an age thing um, because I don't mind having variety with age, but I think it's more so like a fit thing where he doesn't necessarily fit the vision. And he's also not, he's just not as good as those players to where, mm. but he's still young. So it's, it's, it's definitely a situation where I think when the Raptors are ready to make that move where they're saying, okay, we're going all in for Fred and Pascal's prime. Gary is going to be the trade piece that they dangle. I would assume uh, they, they believe in OG a lot more. It seems like just based on everything that's been said and, and sure. all the playing time. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of interest in a guy like Gary, if you shop him around, but I'm not sure that happens this off season, right? Like mm. I could totally see it happening at the trade deadline i could see them re-upping him in the offseason and then it happening on that next contract because i'm not yeah. sure the group around him when you look at precious when you look at scotty i'm not sure those guys are ready to compete for a title right now and trading mm -hmm. gary for like a more established piece a better fit maybe would be like would be saying that okay the rest of this group is ready to compete yeah. just like they traded demar i'm not sure that we have the same 
it, we're just so young. So I'm not sure if it's a this off season thing, but I think eventually, yeah, you're right. Like Gary, I would not be surprised if Gary mm. is out here in the next few years. And they're depending so much on development to figure out what their next steps are, because you look at this past season and Gary Trent Jr. He provided something that they did not have when it comes to just his ability to get buckets and to build the build them out. Um, at the end of shot clocks and to be able to create offense out of nothing. And OG has some ability to do that. Fred is a little bit limited because of his, his stature and Pascal is obviously an A1 guy and Pat and Scotty Barnes needs more touches essentially to be able to show that. I mean, think of the game against the Brooklyn Nets where he was like, he hit one shot and all of a sudden it was just like a barrage just came in and he was hitting step backs and fadeaways. You're just like, what the hell is this? But imagine you're getting that on a more stable basis. It seems like it's there just like Kendrick Perkins said the other day. I don't know if you saw it, that he was asked or there was a hoop type question or something like that. He's like, you know, who's a person that's going to be got to watch out for next season. And he said, Scotty Barnes, because there is so much to like about Scotty. And uh, yeah, the Gary Trent thing, if the Raptors are able to figure out the three point shooting or everyone kind of gets better from the three point line during the off season. And I'm talking about, you know, even a Fred to some degree, um, but OG Pascal and precious, now, the need from Gary is kind of negated. And then you get into, okay, you bring him off the bench, but then great, you have a bench piece that's going to be able to, you know, score pretty quickly. He's going to be able to run some offense. He got better in the pick and roll this year. He's got some passing ability, although he doesn't like to show it very much. Um, <laughs> so you have this piece coming off the bench. That is something that they really needed. But that's a very expensive piece to be coming off right. the bench. And when you have players like maybe who, who knows, Jalen Harris, right? someone like him, or maybe you find someone cheaper, you know, uh, during free agency, that's going to be able to do something very similar. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of different kind of players that do the thing that Gary Trent does. So I feel like he could be on his way out, unfortunately, because I really do like him. I like his mentality. He's a fit same, in that way. Same. Yeah. And before like the Gary Trent Jr. stands come at me, I think there's a path <laughs> where that's not the case and where, cause, cause he surprised me a lot this year defensively yeah. and with, some of his shot making and I think yeah if he continues to develop at this pace then that's a different conversation and, and the Raptors probably don't want to let go of a guy like that but that goes back to like what you asked me which is like what does Gary Trent Jr. need to develop if he's mm. going to be a core piece because I don't really consider him a part of the core yet um and two things come to mind for me one is like he's a really good two-level scorer but he never gets to the rim and there's pathways for him to get to the rim but he prefers to just stop and take a pull-up jumper and yeah that probably just comes from the fact that all his life he's been able to make those jumpers um but it's not like a very efficient shot and there's so many paths where i see he has a lane to the rim but he prefers to pull up instead mm. which is weird to me because it's almost like he avoids contact and yet he's like the most i was gonna say that player, too right yeah it's weird because yeah, he avoids contact and yet he's like a dog. He's talking trash. He's, he's into the ball, like, mm. which is a, its own form of contact. So it's a little bit weird, but if Gary was able to, you know, he's never gotten to the rim more than 15% of his shots in his career. And he finishes yeah. there subpar as well. So that's one thing. And then the second thing would be defensively. I think just adding some strength, uh, what Harden did to him in game six was really a case of Gary not being strong enough. And Harden mm -hmm. is a different beast. Like there's not many guards who are as strong as Harden, but you don't want to be a guy who can get picked on. And I think that goes back to what I say with fit. He's right now the guy who's, who's going to be picked on in the Raptors lineup in a playoff sure. setting. And if he, if he gets stronger, especially that lower body, 
then people won't be able to back him down quite as easily. And, mm. and I think he'll be less of a target. Um, so those would be the two things. If Gary can do those into next season, then maybe he does have a bit more of a future. People probably think, you know, based off this last postseason, it'd be Fred Van Vliet because he was getting blown by quite a bit. And we need to remember that he was not right. <laughs> Laterally, he wasn't right um, in any fashion. Like he just wasn't the same player. You look at anything from January, um, some of those clips, and he was just a different defensive player, different, different offensive player too. The, his cutting ability, he's able to stop on a dime and shoot. Like it, it just, it's not comparable. And so he was definitely being targeted by, you know, James Harden in some cases, and he was getting blown by, but I think there's a lot more obviously there for, for Fred with Gary. I mean, I, I, it's funny that you mentioned the driving because he did actually improve. I was looking at some of the percentages and <clears throat> he improved 5% better on his driving field goal percentage, which is a great improvement, but that does also show that there's so much room for growth when we're talking about these obvious cases where he's not able to finish down there. Think of some of the transition buckets where he was being blocked against the 76ers because he doesn't have the, the it's skill, I guess, in some ways, you know, and also the strength as well. And so I look at him on things that he should improve. And I think it's a bit more of a movement shooting ability. And when I say that, uh, because he does have that a little bit already, it's more about, you know, being that player that can cut around the baseline off a few screens and just like turn into a jumper and shoot. Doesn't need a dribble, just like do it. And Fred Van Bleet is, I keep on mentioning him, but he showed a bit of that and he was able to do it before his knee injury injuries came up, but Gary's taller has a quick release. So he should in theory be able to add that element to his game. And when you have that, like now that kind of gravity of like a Steph Curry, not a, like not obviously it's not an apples to apples comparison, but like you got the defense turning their heads on a swivel because they don't know where Gary Trent's going to be. And he adds that yeah. element to his game. That is going to be such a game changer and, you know, driving, a better handle is going to help him a lot. I don't think he's necessarily going to be like, you know, a person who's going to be able to cross people up. But I would say that if he added a little bit more Clay Thompson to his game, he's a person that comes to mind for me. Um, Gary is 6'5", 209 pounds. Clay Thompson is 6'6", 220. So again, he adds some weight, like you said, a bit more strength to him. And Clay is really good. Like he's not exactly the fastest player, but he's able to get downhill in the right ways and he doesn't shy away from contact. And he's able to finish down there at a pretty decent clip. And his footwork down there is actually really impressive. Like he has more down there than people probably give him credit for because he is such a great shooter. But when it comes to like you know pivoting around and getting into maybe a medium jump shot or a mid-range shot or a little fadeaway he's able to do it at a pretty decent rate he's got a bit of a floater to him as well and I think Gary could look at a person like Clay that uh, a guy who's got you know similar athleticism um, and maybe a little bit taller but you add some weight don't shy away from contact, accept it, embrace it, and be able to finish through it. I think that's those are ways that he's going to be able to be irreplaceable for the Raptors because he already has yeah. such an array of skills, you know, from a shooting perspective. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And he already got a lot better as a catch-and-shoot player this season compared to in Portland. He but did. yeah, like if, if he continues, and that goes back to what I said about fit, where right now I don't see the future where how is he going to have the ball in his hand? Because we have Scotty coming up and all these guys yeah, who need the yeah, ball. Yeah. And so what you're saying makes a lot of sense because now you imagine an attack where Fred and Gary are both running around screens exactly. and the ball is in Siakam and, um, and Barnes's hands. And they're finding those guys in the perimeter. Like that is, that is a much more dangerous offense than what the Raptors currently are operating with. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think that's a good point for sure mentioned the catch and shoot based off of his Tampa time with the Raptors. He was at 34% from a catch and shoot perspective. 
got in the gym, Raptors said get better at catch and shoot percentages. He upped it to 41% with the Raptors this past season. So he's doing some of these things that we're talking about to become a better player. And we got to remind ourselves that he's 23 years old. And so like no one else, like he's going to, you know, take these skills that he gained this year. He's going to go in the off season and get better. And I'd be, I'd be surprised if we didn't see a much better Gary Trent Jr. Come next season, because he's got that mentality, that dog mentality, like you talked about. And he's also potentially a trade chip because he is going to get better and mm-hmm. he could help the Raptors, uh, you know, secure a player who's going to help them in a different way, maybe a little bit cheaper, because I do think like you talked about, I think pressure that you asked to start. I think he is a person that unless they make another move at the center position, I think he has to be the starter going forward. And I still think that if it's not Ken Birch or Dubaka, whoever it is, I still think Ken Birch can be really serviceable for the Raptors. I just, he had talk about crappy luck. He had a lot of crappy luck this year. And I think he's going to be able to add more to his game in the offseason. He gets a little bit healthier. He's still a person that you can throw out there for 15, 20 minutes, and he's going to make your defense better because he's already shown he can do that. Earlier in the season, like it's weird, OG and Ken probably had their best stretches in like the first month. <laughs> How many players actually say are able to say that? But then yeah. injuries happen for both of them, and it is what it is. On that point, I just hope that ownership is willing to go into the tax this season. And I know that sounds That's like it, a little... Like, like they're not contenders, maybe. So people yeah. will say they're, they shouldn't, but they just save a ton of money this year because there's teams like Golden State who are just, and, and the Clippers who are just <laughs> shilling out money. So the Raptors yeah. got back, I think, like $15 million mm-hmm. from ducking the tax this year. So considering they're going to upgrade the roster and all these guys are going to get better, they're going to be closer to contenders, maybe not actual contenders, but I just yeah. really hope, like, we know that MLSE has the money. I really hope that they're not playing those games this season yeah. where they they just got to make whatever deals are the right deals and not be considering, like, the tax. Fred and, and um, Siakam, like, deserve that. If you're not going to put a, a roster around them that's necessarily ready to compete, at least be willing to spend some money to make it better. Mm. A bigger conversation is around those two, actually, is, like, what are your intentions? And that's why the question of what are you trying to do next season is so interesting because they're ready for another championship. And if you are not going to, you know, put the, put the resources in, into building something of a championship roster, one that can improve uh, on what you did this year, it was a great year, but there are clear things that have to be addressed. And we were, you know, banging our fists at, you know, do at the trade deadline, but they kind of sat on their hands saying, we want Precious shooting those shots. We don't want another person shooting it. We want Precious to be getting those minutes uh, down the stretch of games because we feel like he's going to be able to improve and we want Scotty to get more time. So it wasn't the time to make those decisions, but here we are. And now I think it is time. And so when it comes to players like Thad and Chris, both players, I mean, Thad was making $14 million. Chris is going to get an upgrade. He's uh, he's at, he was at seven this year. I would imagine something in the 12 to 13 range, three, four years, whatever it's going to be. Those are two players that you want to bring back to solidify that bench. But again, you still got to fill those voids and it, it probably has to be someone external. You know, you got to make a decision on you. I, I, w- I was thinking about a Gary, a Gary Harris, for instance, yeah. someone who's going to be a free agent. I thought he would be a really interesting fit with the Raptors from a culture standpoint, from a shooting ability standpoint. I think he had a couple of down years with the magic, but you don't forget how to shoot. I don't think. So I think that Denver guy is still there, especially with some of the shots yeah. would get with the Raptors, you know? So mm-hmm. I think they got to make some decisions, man. And with all these other players, a Champagne, Delano Banton, Malachi Flynn, um, a Jalen Harris, 
you got to make some decisions with some of them too, I think, because great, you got the 905, but how many, <laughs> we don't want to be like our Sam Presti mode. We're just like hoarding, he hoards draft picks while the Raptors hoard talent, right? Make a decision, trade one of them, trade some of them, solidify some of your rotation off the bench because they need depth and they really lacked it and it hurt them. Look at Fred Van Vliet, right? He really broke down this season. That didn't have to happen necessarily. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. They, I think they're going to play next season a lot slower in some regards where they're not going to worry about wins to the <laughs> same extent. I just mean like they're going to play it a little bit more for the playoffs to be yeah. right then. Because, yeah, Fred was not he, – he was just busting his tail to get to the playoffs. But next season the goals are at least to win a series, right? The goals are mm. changing. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And looking at the teams that remained in the playoffs, well, I guess the teams that were in the, the previous round, thinking about Miami, the Bucks, Celtics, those are your three teams. I guess the Brooklyn Nets to some degree too because we don't know what's going to be happening with them. But uh, those are the three teams right now that are at the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference. So you can make the argument that the Raptors are could be in that conversation with maybe a move or two, but are you going to be able to beat them? That is the next step. Those are the decisions that they got to make because looking at that Heat and Celtics series, granted, you know, the Celtics, they steamrolled the Heat last night. I, mean, I think that's, I think the Celtics are a lot better actually than the Miami Heat. I just think that they're a different, different level. Um, they're like yeah. championship ready. I think they're the favorite of all the, all the teams remaining. Um, but how are you going to be able to think of yourself as like, you know, maybe we could compete with them. Maybe we could beat them. And rap, right now the Raptors aren't there. Um, offensively, they got a, a lot of tweaks that they got to be made, but it's also the offseason development is a huge part of the Raptors culture. So let's see where they are come September. Anything else for you, Oren? Anything that you want to talk about? Anything that um, comes to mind? No, that's that's it on the Raptors. I, I told you I was going to plug uh, Slam Canada first yeah, inaugural issue came out today, Friday. So for Canadians, go pick that up at your retail oh, yeah. magazine store, I guess, or <laughs> order it online at uh, slamgoods.ca, I think. Um, I have a story in there and I think it's going to be a really enjoyable, really interesting issue. I'm just happy that slam is coming to Canada and we're going to be able to highlight some more Canadian talent. What's your story? My story is about, it's basically tracing the modern history of the Raptors through a few Mm -hmm. of their most iconic photographers and, and some of the most iconic photos. So there's the shot, there's you know lebronto in there there's jurassic <laughs> park in there yeah. so i talked to some photographers and, and basically it's Keyshawn? trying to piece together yeah Keyshawn is in there trying to yeah, piece yeah. together um yeah actually when he was working at yahoo too but yeah trying to piece together the history of the raptors through some of these photos that's really cool and i i love the idea of just more brands um, making their marks in, in Toronto or Canada or whatever the case is, because I just find that there's there's so much talent in this country, but there just is necessarily all the resources to help them, you know, show what they can do. And so I looked at some of the names on Slam Canada. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And just like those are all names that could definitely 
that should be getting some more work, that should be able to tell some more stories and that this being able to happen, it's really, really cool. So shout out to Slam Canada, shout out to Slam for bringing their brand to Canada and shout out to Oren Weisfeld for joining me because this was fun. This was great. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. Everyone, have yourself a nice long weekend. Bye-bye. <laughs>